Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Tena koto etefano. Welcome to the New Books Network. I'm Edamon, uh, your host on the podcast New Books in Australian and New Zealand Studies. Um, how are you all doing? I'm sure it is a great day wherever you are. Um, today, as always, with me, our focus is on Aotearoa, New Zealand. And Today's book that we are focusing on is called uh, Fragments from a Contested Past, Remembrance, Denial, and New Zealand History. And it has a um, a great set of authors, which is fantastic. Joanna Kidman, Vincent O'Malley, uh, Liana McDonald, Tom Roa, and Kezia Wallace. Um, and today we have um, the privilege of having one of the authors with us, Liana McDonalds and uh, Tenakwe uh, uh, Liana, welcome. Kia ora, Ed. Morena, how are you? I'm doing fantastic and I'm excited about getting into the Kopapa. It is, um, it was a great book. Now, um, just a bit of a background that I have from different locations uh, about Liana and Liana, <laughs> you can you can correct me if I get it wrong. Now, um, Liana McDonald's uh, uh, Ngati Kuya, um, Rangitani Owairo, uh, Ngati uh, Kowata is a lecturer in the Faculty of Education, Victoria University of Wellington, and she is interested in how racism, whiteness, and settler colonialism manifests in national institutions. Uh, Her current research explores the possibility of uh, decolonial transformation in schools, uh, particularly through land education. We might talk about that later as well. Um, Now... um, just to start for our viewers, uh, just uh, as a as a background, um, how did you end up being an academic to start with? Oh, oh, mm, I think, yeah, that oh, I sort of feel like I fell into the the role, but in many ways, feel like I'm well suited to it as well. Um, I guess I did what a lot of people possibly do after they do their Bachelor of Arts. (laughs) And that is think, well, you know, what sort of career can a BA offer me? Um, And so looked at teaching and looked at the skills that are needed to be a good teacher, you know, communication and interest in education. And I thought, well, that sounds like something I can do with this undergraduate uh, degree. So I did my one year uh, diploma in teacher education and then went out and was a teacher for 11 years. And during that time, um, I suppose some of the things that I experienced as uh, as a Māori child and Māori student growing up became uh, sort of more to the forefront of my mind as a, as a Māori teacher, sort of some of the tensions and challenges of being Māori in a school. 
And um, so that's sort of bubbling away. And then I fell into doing a master's paper through one of my lecturers at Teachers College. She invited me to do um, sort of an action research project. Um, I did a couple of master's papers through that and just kept going with my master's, chipping away at it part-time while I was a teacher uh, teacher at, at different secondary schools. Um, and what I really liked about postgraduate study was the ability to apply what I was doing in a professional sense to what I was learning um, through postgrad study. And so I found that that really excited me and interested me in ways that my undergrad didn't because the learning was quite decontextualised, I suppose. Um, and then I did my master's, I did a little thesis at the end of that to round it off and found that I really liked writing and I liked um, tackling a research problem in education through the, uh, through the thesis process, which then led me to think, well, you know, could I do a PhD? which is something that I'd never considered doing when I was a student at, at secondary school. It was something I never thought I could do during my undergrad. Um, yeah, just I guess because I just didn't feel that interested at the time in doing um, university study. Uh, so yeah, I went on and I uh, applied to do my PhD part-time again while working as a secondary school teacher and yeah, found that I I really enjoyed the process of, you know, you do your PhD in stages, um, really enjoyed the process of thinking about what I wanted to research, um, the readings that I was exposed to. And then, yeah, my PhD evolved and changed. And when I found um, the, the issue that I wanted to explore, I really got into it, um, enjoyed it. I uh, had a really good working relationship with my supervisor, who is uh, Joanna Kidman, and which then led to the um, Marsden research, which is the focus of the, the book that you were talking about. Um, I was just, you've, you've beautifully come to the next question. <laughs> so the, the, I understand it, it's, it's part of a, um, a wider project. The book is one uh, of the publications of hopefully a lot of work uh, that will come out uh, later for us, for us as a nation to read as well. So, what what what's what some of the background of, of the actual project? What 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 are the main goals and um uh, how is it working? The the main thrust of the of the research project Hitonga Te Wariwari is uh, to look at how New Zealanders remember and forget difficult histories from our colonial past. Um, and the work that I've done as the postdoctoral research assistant has been to go out to visit um, former battle sites where the New Zealand wars took place, um, look at how those sites are presented, mm. um, terms of the physical landscape and how people who move through those sites think about the history. Um, I've worked with other um, early academic career researchers doing that. Um, I've, I've gone home, back to the Wairo um, in Blenheim, and I've talked to Fano there about particular incidents, incidents associated with the New Zealand wars. And... Yeah, that's been mostly my involvement in the project. Um, however, there are other things um, moving around it as well. It is an uh, it is an interesting concept in terms of uh, remembering and 
and and forgetting because I I'm from I'm from Pakistan and um, that is also a a, a post colonial nation you can you can say and um, it uh, partitioned in 1947 when when the British left left the country and so the Copaba really hit hit me straight in my heart because we have this as a new nation we had to create our our stories our myths and you study them and you grow up with them and then later on you realize okay there's a problem with this one and there's a problem with this one and uh, the, the creation of heroes and the creation of villains and that is done through through school books and the uh, the government narrative um, so so for us to start with i mean it, it, at the start of the book um it was mentioned about the statues and um it seems that as uh, settler nations have uh, like, uh, uh, like Canada, uh, New Zealand, or Australia, we have this fascination of making erecting statues. Um, so, how important are those as a as a vision into into the past, and how correct are they, and how how are they uh, how they're representing the past? Um. I suppose I'll yeah just go back a bit to what you said about how you how you grew up learning your history um, as a post-colonial uh, nation and I suppose as a settler nation we we haven't had that to the same extent as you know and so um, you know whereas it sounds like you know as you evolve through the school system you learnt to challenge the narratives you were exposed to um, we don't have or many of us, most of us, myself included, going through the school system, don't have a, a benchmark to, to measure our history because we weren't taught it. We don't know it. Um, and so for me, being part of this research process was a whole sort of process of relearning about relearning our national history, um, and particularly those bits that, that are silenced or not even well known for those who do study history. Um, so I guess... You know, when I um, so I, I, when I learnt about history and then went to some of these monuments as a result of the research in the study, um, it was all you know new. You know, for example, the Nixon Memorial um, in Auckland. Um, you know, I just sort of learnt about um, Nixon, Ma, uh, Marmaduke Nixon, the role he played in the Waikato Wars, and so um, with that with that background, I was able to you know examine. The monument, um, the way it was presented, how it was um, dirty, unkept, sort of hidden in a corner on a main road. All these sort of things spoke to me because I um, had been exposed to the history and, and knew the role that he played, um, knew the impact that he had on the, uh, the Māori communities in Waikato. And so um, yeah, that was an interesting, exciting, yet terrible experience. Um, but I suppose... I often think, well, if you didn't know that the history that I had learnt as a result of the study, what sort of attachment would you have to that memorial? And um, for many New Zealanders who don't know um, much about the New Zealand wars, you know, you'd probably just walk past it unaware or even unthinking about the impact of some of these people um, in our history and who we are today. Um, so, 
I think, what, sorry, what was the last part of your question, Ed? Oh, you're, you're mentioning, I mean, I was talking about yeah. monuments and statues um, and how they represent the past, uh, and, um, maybe correctly or incorrectly. Yeah, so as, you know, with, with, you know, learning about history to some extent as you did, you know, you, you might sort of notice these memorials because you'd learnt about them in school and you'd be able to critique them. But I suppose many New Zealanders would just walk past unaware, which, you know, um, makes these times quite exciting and interesting in that now that New Zealand history is going to be compulsory, now that the next generation of young people will be moving through the school system with some awareness of perhaps the significance of monuments like um, the Nixon Memorial, um, yeah, it's going to change the whole way we look at our landscape, I suppose, um, and the way that we connect with these monuments that are in plain sight but often ignored. Um I loved your writing in in the chapters that you've uh, done because you have um, a great um, way of storytelling. And there's there's some because I'm a stand up comedian as well on the on the side. Um, I realized that there were some nice and funny lines in there, which I really really I, I really loved. Um, uh, so, as I mentioned before, we started the interview that. Uh, um, I was expecting my my previous readings uh, have always been historical and mainly f- factual and maybe chronological in terms of uh, okay this happened and then this happened and why this happened and how this happened, but they're not reflective. And I was really really happy to read uh, uh, all your journeys. I mean uh, Vincent O'Malley's, Joanna Kidman's, yours, and Kizia's journey. Uh, that it it was full of reflections and which was which made it like a page turner that you know you finish in one setting so i quite i quite like that i thought i'd mention it to, uh, mention it to you you had a, a f- fantastic style of writing which is this guy should write write more books so um the um one thing i found interesting in the story of um uh, uh, a bullcock's farm uh, and um, and also your journey um, uh, on the South uh, Main South Road um, in Auckland. Um, you talked about how the soldiers of the Great War were honored, and um, and how the the Maori who fought in the the wars were ignored or maybe demonized um it is so how how, how, how it's just um, i don't know how can i ask this it's how can we shift that tilt because when anzac day comes it's a whole nation comes together to celebrate that and there is point of celebration in that it's fine but as a comparison um dates of new zealand wars uh, parihaka and uh, other events that has happened they're not remembered in the same way and how can we shift i don't know you might not know as well but it's just something that always bothers me ah, so how can we remember in a way or how can we remember is that what you're asking when there's so much has happened and we want to shift this narrative of Māori being savage and demonised. Um, I suppose that's a really good question. Um, 
and my response is perhaps is that they are still remembered. I mean, you know, Māori communities who were at the tail end of this horrible, these horrible invasions like Rangiaufia um, and Ngāti Apakura, for example. I mean, um, I don't want to speak for them too much, but I mean, as part of the project, I have been able to learn, you know, that there are commemorations by Māori, um, you know, who don't forget these um, terrible atrocities. So, uh, you know, there is there is a form of remembrance happening already, and it's just more about how Pākehā New Zealand are going to to grapple with, you know, now understanding and seeing that that remembrance involves them as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I thought, yeah, I mean, celebration probably isn't necessarily the right word, as you know, but uh, there will be and there should be a form of remembrance for all New Zealanders about what happened, about events that define us as a nation today. Um, and it's great that you um, have commented about the way that the book is written in a reflective style because, you know, we were engaging with these histories when we went to these former battle sites in a way that show that the the memory of the New Zealand wars and historical atrocities continue to live with us today. You know, we continue to carry them, um, you know, when we know about them and when we know about the impact that they've had um, in our society and Māori communities in particular. So, I don't know, it kind of seems wrong to to not bring that kind of style of writing or reflective perspective to these histories because, um, you know, when we do start to write about them and talk about them as past events that we are not connected to or, you know, that are sort of over there and we're not a part of, then that becomes quite problematic um, because, you know, we have to feel that that we are continuing, we are a continuance of the, the legacy of of these histories and we're still working through them today in really real um, material ways. Um, so I guess just, you know, learning about the histories and then and then thinking reflectively about um, how they mediate um, our actions and how we relate to each other as Pākehā, Māori, Tauiwi today is just an, is an important part of the process too. Um, yeah, I guess that's this, what this. Sorry. Oh, um, that's a great answer. I mean, it it makes me reflect on um, on on the reaction, a mainstream kind of reaction to the new histories curriculum that is being uh, talked from next year. Um, I've had um, an in depth conversations with some of the friends on Facebook, which is definitely the best place to have intellectual discourse oh, yes. uh, <laughs> but um there is there's a uh, there's a bit of a backlash i mean there there's a bit of a backlash in in the sense that why are we why are we shaking why are we shaking the tree right now why we don't i mean it's, it's going fine it's going fine but obviously in their mind it's not it's going fine but for everybody else is not um it is um there's 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 this backlash that is coming through and in in terms of the the Pakia point of view I, I wanted to just ask how did you feel when you were at at the golf course i mean um people would we were not going to full stories people have to buy the book to get the full stories but i just your experience when you were in that in the golf course asking those questions 
and getting answers which were um, maybe might be a bit laissez-faire, or maybe it's just just a bit relaxed. Um, what how what was going through your brain at that time? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, well I um that, yeah that, all those field trips. I mean I, they were fascinating and they were enjoyable too because part in part because I was working with um you know I would. I was paired up with uh, other Indigenous scholars and, and we got along really well and, you know, we had a great time talking about these histories and, you know, okay, let's go here and let's go there and what do we look at now? And I suppose, you know, when we went to into the golf course, um, part of me goes into these places with an understanding that that everything is kind of mundane and normal and, you know, people don't think critically about their environment or to any great extent. I mean, I didn't at all. Before I went, before I learned um, about the wars, so I kind of thought, well, you know, it would be interesting to, yeah, I guess push the button a little bit to see, you know, what people think about these histories or not, um, and so that was the reason why I wanted to go up and talk to people, um, just to get their general impression because I kind of knew that, um, that 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 I was asking something of these people that they would never think about, and and when you do press people about difficult histories, you do get into a space of real uncomfortableness, and you know this sort of sense that oh, there's something here I should know, but I don't know, and how am I going to respond to this? Um, so, and and of course you don't never know what what sort of response you're really going to get either, um, and I guess. You know, so I didn't know what was going to happen. But what was interesting with the responses I did get was sort of all all this sort of detours and diversions away from <laughs> from talking about the history. Um, yeah, I don't know how much to say either without giving away stuff from the book. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's uh, th- no, that's uh, that's completely fine. I mean, it's uh, um, and, and and you were paired in one of the chapters, um, um, Lorian Lines, who was uh, um, uh, one of the uh, scholars from Canada. Um, I, w- I wanted to ask ask you about um, those discussions while while they happened on your on your on your on your journeys. Um, there is. Was there a sense of um, um, recognition or empathy? Uh, because in my history readings and learnings, it, it seems to be a lot of similarities that are going on in in the settler nations for uh, for uh, as per the experience of indigenous um, indigenous peoples. Um, did you feel that way while um, hanging out with them? Because she really put in some good gems. I mean, you you were thinking in a certain way, and then she said, "Listen." think about it this way and I was like well that's yes. that's fantastic it was yeah, yeah. That, I really enjoyed that part of our relationship mm-hmm. too so definitely there were similarities um between you know what she, you know what she was doing working with indigenous youth around this sort of forum theater, theater approach where she was getting young people to engage with social issues that are difficult through drama was great um but yeah I, I guess while there were similarities there were differences that um that happened during our, our field trip excursions. Like, for example, um, I remember we went to Battle Hill, which is the second part of the chapter that I wrote, um, and we went up, uh, well, we went the sort of route of the of where the British forces tried to um, capture Te Rangi Hayata up the top of the hill, and we went kind of this backward route way, whereas we didn't go where the British forces walked, we walked 
sort of down by the river part. And I remember Laurie-Anne, uh, we came across a big sign that talked a little bit about the environment and the sustainability um, work that had been done around um, that area. And she was really surprised by the fact that, um, that mana whenua weren't acknowledged on these signs because back in Canada, you know, there's always acknowledgement of the Indigenous people whose land you're on. And so, um, you know, sort of little moments like that throughout um, our field trips would become point of talk. Um, and yeah, what I also really loved, you know, Laurie-Anne was also really in tune with, I guess, the way the environment kind of resonated with the narrative. Um, she talks a lot about the wind and kind of connecting that to the difficulties of talking about um, about uh, the battles in the Wellington Wars. And yeah, so that's part of the style thing, I think, that you're, talk you're mentioning. Um, yeah, it was really, yeah, really great to... To, to work with you. Yeah, it was a it was a, a great read um, as well. And um, at a point when you realised uh, about the path that was um, that was being taken by you two, that was a very <laughs> a very lovely moment in the in the in the story, um, which people can read in the book. So, um, one thing I wanted to talk about um, around the trip on the main main south main south road. Um, I had no, I had no idea. I mean, I, I knew from previous readings that the, the part of it was developed before the Waikato, Waikato Wars. Um, but, um, I, after reading, after reading the book, I, I took, I took a drive, I took a drive as well. And I took a drive, um, just the Auckland part of it. Uh, but it kind of sets the perspective completely different, uh, way that okay, this the purpose of this road was once um, a, a very deadly purpose, um, and and when you, uh, what 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 were your feelings when you went through and started this journey? I mean, you had you had I think uh, Kezia with you. Uh, that's correct, right? Um, uh, but 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 how, how do you feel when you go through? I mean, there's everything is concreted now and the major parts of the roads and then uh, goes uh, towards and uh, none of it seems to be signposted some areas are signposted if you get get out outside of Auckland um so how was how was that experience um of, of writing the, that chapter and that journey mm. the journey itself was again yeah hugely fascinating and I you know I I've got a list here of the different places that we went to and you know, as I read through it, you know, we did experience a wide range of emotions at all of at each place. I mean, I guess, you know, it was, I don't know, wonderment is one way of, you know, really interested in looking at these sites through the lens of cultural remembering and forgetting and what is there and what does that say about why we remember or why we don't remember these um, terrible battles. I guess you're just talking about one site that wasn't well signposted. And um, for me, Meri Meri sticks out. Um, it took Kezia and I a long time to find that site. Um, we knew it would be difficult because Joanna and Vincent had said it was, um, but it still took us a while to find it. And then we kind of saw an opening in the fence. And I don't know if there was something that told us to go up there or not, but we went up to the top of the hill. And then, um, you know, from there, I remembered a photo that, 
um, I'd been shown before we went away where one of the steamboats, I think, was sitting along the river. And I just remember that photo. And then I remember when we were standing there, I thought, oh, yes, well, we are at the place we're meant to be at Meri Meri because I remember the photo. Um, and I think actually there might have been some sort of marker that did confirm to us that we were at the right spot. But that, I mean, Kezia and I just sort of stood there just in silence for for a while, not talking, wandering around um, in our own thoughts, I guess. Um, and that was in stark contrast to the next stop we had, which is which was Rangiriri, um, where there has been a great deal of work done um, in terms of looking at where uh, the where um, the power was and where the British soldiers were stationed, and there were different plaques sort of showing the distance between the two when they were um, firing at each other. Um, and so I remember there. We, yeah, we roamed around and went around the different paths of the past site and sort of imagining what it would be like at that time in the battle. And uh, just next to that, next to the battle site, actually, there's an Urupa. Um, did you go to Rangiriri at all? No, no, I didn't uh, go that yeah. far because it was during the time when we had some restrictions. Uh, uh, I mean, I had restrictions from from my uh, uh, from my wife that I couldn't go yeah, uh, anywhere. Um, well, out, outside of Auckland, anyway. Yeah. Yes, you said uh, you the- so uh, uh, we have we have, we have, we are planning to do it during um, I think um, the next uh, um, holiday uh, during the Matariki time. We might take a trip. Uh, me and my wife will take a trip uh, down uh, down the way and maybe follow the follow uh, your journey in there because I mean it's a it's it's ama- it's it's amazingly crazy that we drive I go I go to Hamilton and beyond driving to places all the time uh, because of my comedy stuff as well and performing different places and it is after reading the book after reading the histories it's just a completely different experience while you drive through even if you just drive through as well without even visiting even if you drive through as well you remember you say all right this happened and this happened and that's why it happened and you you, you think about it so yeah, just the significance it, of the road itself like you see yeah. yeah and what it was originally used for yeah and um that is why works like these are uh, quite very, 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 very important um, in terms of triggering those memories that you might. It's not part of my memory because I I came here in 2010, so it's not it's not part of my memory. But now it becomes part of my history in a way because the land that I live on. So I have to acknowledge and remember it in a way that is has been that was experienced by the people who actually went through it so it is um so that's why i'm speaking so much because i was quite excited about the text that's great i mean that's what we we want and you know to feed that hunger of wanting to find out more and because it is so personal isn't it it is it's our our history it, it, it is and it feels a bit um I, because my current uh, readings are about um, racism in the media, and and the and after reading reading the book, I, I contextualized it a, a, a little bit, um, and I thought I don't know if you have some views on it in terms of contemporary media forming those narratives. Because I, I read 
last week, a, in, an issue of NZ Herald was talking about uh, about the war, and it was amazingly racist oh, <laughs> uh, telling of um, of how the war was going. Um, initially, I had planned to read it here, but uh, oh, I don't know. What, yeah. tell them, what, is, what is it? I'll I'll, t- I'll I'll tell you. I have a I have a <laughs> I have a thing. So it's uh, from the eleventh of November. Um, uh, 1863, and it's the editorial position of uh, New Zealand Herald, and it's one of the paragraphs. Um, it says, whilst bands of native guerrillas are permitted to rife, rifle, rob, and murder, we must lay our account with such things. But are there no means of averting such scenes? We feel confident that there are. And with the daily experience of butcheries inflicted from the 4th of May, they're talking about uh, something that happened. Uh, We think time has fully arrived to meet out to the Maori assassins. Yeah, wow. The only practical measure of British retribution. And that's, that's the editorial that's in the editorial. It's not some opinion piece. That's the editorial position of NZ Herald. Um, So, I don't know if you had a point of view on this, but (laughs) contemporary writings, do they shape these memories as well? Oh, I think undoubtedly so. (laughs) I think there will be the same kind of critique happening in 50 years about what, how, how we frame the race relations now. Yeah. In the future. And I mean, you know, thinking back to what you read and thinking about what was going on with the settler communities at that time, you know, there was that really strong sense that that this was their nation too, that they'd come to, you know, put the savages back into line and bring them, enlighten them, et cetera, et cetera. So we know that now, don't we? We know to look at these things. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, definitely um, the fr- framing is, and particularly in the media, is, is constant. Um yeah, I, I could probably think of some exa- examples. Well, I, I mean, I have. Um, it's, I mean, it's fresh because I've been studying it recently. Uh, it's the. Uh, I mean, for instance, when the framing of crime is done in 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 the media, um, um, and how, um, as a headline, gangs are weaved into the narrative, and because. I have read and I'm in the privileged position that I'm doing this and I'm studying, et cetera. For me, it makes me angry that, I mean, what about you? You have ignored the antecedents of the creation of the gangs <clears throat> and you are taking them as a point of view that they just erupted from the ground as a this criminal organization. So that kind of, that, that, that kind of, but they, they, I mean, they want to write a 250 word thing only and they don't want to get into details. And Yeah, so, totally. Yeah, I wrote about um, the uh, an article, oh, sorry, a, a news story in the project, actually, um, that was quite critical of oh, this altercation between two houses in Cannons Creek and one was the, one house was the gang members and, of course, the gang members were being vilified and, you know, there was sort of this good guy, bad guy scenario going on with exactly what, you know, with but doing exactly what you've said, kind of decontextualising, well, we did, you know, gangs and Porirua and Cannons Creek and kind of setting up that, our community in a particular way. Um, 
yeah so framing yep <laughs> i didn't i didn't want to say it but i mean that was the that was my that was my project i was oh. i was analyzing your your article of the of the project interaction in oh. in Kororua. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so i read yeah. the article like 15 <laughs> times um oh. yeah oh. so it's uh um and then you know the way that media policy sets up the conditions for whether you can challenge that or not you know and yeah and also the then the the regulator is not really on 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 board as well they they are uh, the regulator is also quite uh, quite behind so that was a very interesting uh, it's it's beyond the book but it was <laughs> when we maybe when i'm in in wellington we can have a coffee and have a yeah, quarter about but it, about but that but it's not because that, that's what historical amnesia does right yes. you know it's all connected mm. it's, yeah if you don't know the history then you're not going to think critically about power and how you know, you know how there are these great inequities that, you know, whereby Maori, you know, are mm. getting incarcerated, uh, you know, not earning as much money, dying early. Oh, you know, it's mm. earlier. Uh, yeah, mm. there's um, um, there's there's a lot out there, and the and the framing in the media is obviously, I mean, with with the co co governance corridor as well recently, that is happening, and and the way that the Tiriti is portrayed, and I always makes me angry, but. And I, f- I feel like I've just been doing the masters for like six months and you were born here and you were grown up here and you have no idea of this. Uh, um, my wife doesn't like my attitude when I'm getting angry on the, on the couch. So, <laughs> so um, uh, one thing I wanted to ask um, in terms of, um, um, did, have you been to other, journeys outside of outside of the uh, outside of what is uh, in in the book um yes i went back home to blenheim and um i looked at how the wairo fray as it's called now is portrayed um and and yeah looked at that site with Laurieann and then also in- interviewed or spoke to some cousins to get their perspective about the Wairoa fray um, and that was interesting too because often our conversations didn't necessarily centre on the Wairoa fray but on more contemporary issues for iwi back home um, so um, Te Taui, who where I'm from is there are eight iwi um, that populate that area and uh, three in particular are known as mana whenua of Blenheim. Um, so I went and interviewed cousins from there. Yeah, and they all had different perspectives about iwi interests um, and also about the Wairoa Frey itself. So something that I learned, I mean, I always, when you go to the Wairoa Frey site, you see on the board that the conflict was between the settlers and Ngāti Toa. Well, actually, there are other iwi there. There was Rangitane Kiwairo, there was Ngāti Queer, which I only found out recently through a cousin who told me that. Um, and, yeah, and then there was Ngāti Toa, uh, uh, Ngāti Rārua as well. So, um, yeah, so just even knowing that there, were more, there was more than one iwi that was involved at that battle site was new learning. And, of course, those iwi all had their own reasons um, for being there that you know weren't necessarily shared by by each other so there's a whole lot of narratives and stories associated with these wars with these significant battles in our past that can be approached from so many different perspectives um, yeah 
Yeah, it's um, and also I think the book makes the case for or against that one source of tr- one source of truth, or one source of history making, uh, in the in, in, in the introductions and 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 the and the um, Cook um, uh, commemoration chapter it talked about uh, that the stories are created in 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 Wellington and then disseminated disseminated. Uh, and it's very sinister. It, it sounds very, 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 very sinister. It, it's, it, it, it is sometimes. Um, and as you said, that the stories are there through the different Iwi or Hapu and how they experienced it, and maybe the uh, the new New Zealand history curriculum uh, with its with its localized focus might uh, might uh, remedy that. So. Um, in terms of um, moving forward, anything new coming through the project or for yourself? Um, one uh, paper that I'm working on at the moment is around, so one of, oh, another, um, sorry, uh, sort of field trip that I did with Laurie Ann was we went to uh, some national institutions in Wellington and we looked at how sort of public memory of our past was presented there. So we went to Te Tohu, Te Papa and Pukiahu National War Memorial Park. And that was, uh, yeah, that was obviously really interesting because you get kind of um, Te Tiriti or Waitangi as kind of the centrepiece of, you know, our nationhood building story. You know, we came together, we signed the treaty and so sort of thinking about the role that that narrative plays. Um, and it's an important one, but often it can come at the exclusion of other stories like the New Zealand wars and significance that that holds. Um, so after the study, um, what, I, what I'm currently doing at the moment is working in initial teacher education in the Faculty of Education here at uh, Victoria University. And so I um, took some students last year to these same places. Oh, field got, trip, yeah. Yeah, I got them to yeah. do an analysis mm. of of those places and um, yeah they, they came up with some really amazing insights about the way that these exhibitions um, sort of structure that sort of dominant narrative of our history yet silence others so mm. I'll be using um, the work that we did and writing that up as an article and that's part of the, the Marsden project as well so that's what I'm working on at the moment to do with Marsden work. That's, um, that's fantastic and, and um uh, the your topic of interest um, in terms of um, racism, whiteness, and settler colonialism, yeah. um, and how it manifests in national institutions. So it, it kind of the uh, the new article sets into that framework of your interest. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so my PhD was looking at schools critically as a national institution and looking at how this particular narrative about Māori and Pākehā relations is built on this harmonious and historically resolved partnership. Um, Again, you know, schools, because we don't teach our our national history, that's kind of a way of keeping that historical amnesia narrative going. Um, So my PhD centred around those ideas, and I suppose in, in secondary schools, but also you can see see how that resonates in museums as another form of national institution um, so yeah very much about about transferring 
you know, those theoretical frameworks that you talked about, racism, settler colonialism, to different contexts, I guess. All right. So, I mean, we are coming towards... Oh, it's, it's been it's been quite a time. Very nice. Um, I quite enjoyed our uh, corridor. Um, just to um, start wrapping up, I mean, have I have I missed anything? Because I mean, this will be listened by a lot of pe- uh, people. Um, um, if you want to say something about the book, and also if if they if something that I've missed in terms of asking a question, because I kind of contextualized it in my own experience. No, I mean, I think it was interesting when you talked about how there is that backlash um, at the moment to to the changes to the new curriculum. And, yeah, I think, you know, I can understand that people feel frightened, you know, when their reality or the way that they think about themselves as New Zealanders is being challenged um, because, it, it, yeah, it's frightening when, when you're suddenly realising that the the, the sort of privileges that you've had throughout your life and in previous generations, you know, there's a reason for them. Um, and, yeah, I just think that, I just hope that people um, respond to the book in the way that you have and that it's a way of working through, you know, some of the, the difficult emotions and, you know, the way that we feel scared about approaching these histories. Is it, yeah, so I, yeah, I hope that we can work through it, and um, and and yeah, that's that's all. Thanks, Ed. <laughs> running out of I'm running out of steam myself. Sorry. That's that's great, great, um, uh, Liana. It was it was a, a fantastic quarter, and um, uh, and it provided a great context to to the book, and it was um, it's quite essential for everyone to now buy the book. Um, it is uh, fragments from a contested past, remembrance, denial, and New Zealand history. Um, it can be bought from um, online from different uh, any any online bookstore as well, and also from the BWB uh, Bridget Williams Books uh, website. It is a essential read, um, and I would uh, quite recommend it. So, thanks, Liana, for joining us uh, with your time um, and your um, uh, your expertise and um, to my uh, listeners hopefully you enjoy uh, our Corero and buy the book please follow um, on all the social media networks email me if you want to talk about the Corero that I've just had um, and rate us on uh, Apple Podcasts and any other. I mean, if you don't like what I have talked about, it's fine. You can complain about it, but still give a five stars. I don't mind a five stars. Um, so uh, thank you all for joining. Thank you, Liana, for joining us. Thanks, Sid. Good, everyone.